Welcome to the Am I Hunting Podcast. The whitetail rut can have its ups and downs, and this year from a rutcation is no exception. Welcome to the MI Hunting Podcast. Thank you as always for joining in and listening. So yeah, so this episode is going to be basically an update of my rutcation, uh, basically an update on my hunts through the rut so far. Now I've kind of taken a, t- a bit of a timeout uh, for the rest of the weekend because I have to start up work here uh, starting tonight essentially. So uh, but I just wanted to do a breakdown of my hunts. Uh, going through basically from the start of November till now, uh, you know, it's one of those, just one of those things where, you know, I kind of jumped around a little bit to begin in November and then really put my focus into the, uh, my, you know, private piece that I hunt where I do all my food plot work and habitat work. Uh, so I wanted to break that down of how those hunts went and kind of what, what I kind of learned along the process. So. But before we get into that, uh, make sure you hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, share the show with your friends. If you want to see the full collection of all the content available, head on over to mihuntingpodcast.com. And while you're there, become a member. Your membership supports this show directly and grants you special access to members-only content, giveaways, and discounts. But let's get into the topic at, topic at hand. So... Uh, basically my primary focus for at least that first full week of November, or at least basically the few days surrounding November 7th. So in years past of running cameras on the farm that I hunt, I've noticed that a a particular buck would always show up. He, he was really consistent about, he would make an appearance on Halloween night and then seven days later on November 7th, make a reappearance during daylight on the property as well. So I started keying in on that, uh, last year, my goal was to hunt the seventh long story short. I ended up getting out of the stand partway through the day. And of course, an hour later he comes through and made appearance on one of my cameras. So it was daylighted on the property. So this year, my primary focus, basically my entire, um, span of you know the time available I had to be able to take off of work was to focus on the farm and to try to capitalize on this buck uh, with his historic movement. So basically, my focus was be essentially from the fifth up to uh, basically up until rifle season as to you know how long it took for me to catch up with this deer. So I did have a couple of days before I really wanted to put my focus on the farm. You know, I basically I didn't want to jump the gun and be there too soon and start burning out some of those stands, start allowing some of those deer feel my, you know, the hunting pressure. Uh, they want to start bumping does, you know, too much and making them uncomfortable to where they weren't having that natural movement um, that could, you know, basically start pushing them off the property or something like that. So I wanted to wait a few days. I'd say we got closer to that November 7th window. Uh, ultimately, so I, if you listen to the last episode where I had... Uh, did some scouting and bumped uh, a couple bucks on some public land where I basically was set up in a transition area or a little travel funnel or travel corridor, I guess you could say. And I had pushed up into what I thought was the bedding area, did bump a couple of bucks out of there. 
So I did go up in there. I don't remember exactly what day it was. It was either the, the first or the second. I think it must have been the second or second or third, somewhere in there. And so I pushed up into that area. You know, it was it was not an easy go. You know, basically this bedding is up on top of this this big hill. Uh, getting up there in the dark, it took me actually a good 20 minutes to get up this hill to where I wasn't making too much noise, wasn't getting too windy, wasn't getting too sweaty to where I was going to run into an issue uh, once I made it to the top, either, you know, basically being, you know, soaking wet from sweat and running the issue of where, you know, I wasn't staying warm or whatnot. So I plan on sitting for quite a while um, if need be. So I pushed up on top of this hill and basically having a southwest wind basically came from the, the northeast side, basically allowing the wind to blow into my face. Once I got up to the top, you know, I scouted this spot slightly, but I didn't have, you know, exact spot that I wanted to set up in or, you know, an exact plan as to, you know, the spot that I was going to sit. Now, I did know that I didn't want to take my saddle up there. A lot of the trees that were up there, there were mature trees, but the problem is, is that a lot of them are very mature timber where they were very crowded at one point. So they don't have very many branches going up, but they have a big canopy on top. So I knew that if I were to try this up in a tree, you would basically be, you know, this big blob on the side of this tree. Um, didn't have any side cover or brush cover or branches, anything like that to hide me in that tree. And being up in that area and not knowing exactly how deer maneuvered in there, I didn't know, you know, if I set up on the wrong side of a tree or how much, you know, deer would be moving around up there to where I, I wasn't comfortable being able to hide up in, up in the tree there. So I went for a ground uh, setup because knowing there's a bunch of deadfalls in there, basically set up in one of those deadfalls or in a pocket of deadfalls, use it as ground cover and just hunt from the ground. So snuck up in there. I ended up setting up about 30 yards from what I thought was maybe the where the bedding area was. Or not necessarily truly bedding because it is kind of still open a little bit. Uh, but did have some uh, some beech tree saplings in there that kind of thickened it up. Where I knew that that's where the deer were when I saw them the first time. So set up about 30 yards from there thinking that maybe if the deer are milling around in there or, you know, work around the, that cover area that they would be within bow range. So sat up in there, got up in there probably a good 20 minutes before, um, you know, really first light or just started getting that gray light. Being up on top of this hill, I didn't know how much the wind was going to swirl around or whatnot. So I actually laid out some Evercom, some, um, some VS1, and then also some buck scent. Basically, just kind of make it make the area smell like there's plenty of deer within the area, and hide my scent as best as possible. I know you're not really going to beat a deer's nose, but again, if it buys me a second or two to be able to either draw or you know make a move on a deer, you know I was going to utilize that best I could. So I'm sitting up in there, and it's just getting about the first few minutes after first shooting light, and I start to hear what sounds like a deer approaching. So kind of peek out from my little uh, ground bind area where I had kind of one side open, expecting where that's where some of the deer movement would be. And lo and behold, this deer crests this little tiny knoll that's about 10 yards, uh, you know, to my left. 
and this buck pops his head out and is walking straight at me. So at this point, you know, I'm able to grab on my bow, but I can't do much of el anything else because he's still walking straight at me. And he just keeps coming and coming and coming. And again, he's within 10 yards of me now and notices this little dark blob sitting in the midst of this deadfall. He, you know, sees me there and then, you know, basically does that little head bob bit and then spooks a little bit. So clearly, you know, where he, the fact that he came in coming right at me, he noticed me sitting there because again, that was the one area that I had left open thinking that if a deer was going to come through, it actually come from the opposite direction. It would pass by and then I would have a nice clear opening to be able to shoot from. This deer came from the exact opposite direction and caught me off guard. So he did spook off a little bit. Again, it was one of those things where he didn't like what he saw, but he didn't know exactly what it was. So real quick, grab my doe bleat call, hit him a couple of doe bleats. He ended up, uh, you know, from there kind of stalling a little bit, but ultimately he did eventually start to move off a little bit. I thought maybe if he couldn't figure it out, he might circle it around and try to come from another approach. Uh, about five minutes later, it appears as though that's what had happened as he basically looked like the same deer had come down and circled back around. The problem was is that he still knew that there was something in you know, that deadfall. So he definitely had his eye on there. And from there, you know, he basically had it pegged where it wasn't a deer that was in that, in that uh, deadfall. There was something else that he didn't like. So he did spook off a second time. You know, so ultimately, uh, my plan worked in the ass in the essence that, you know, it, I knew at least my call on the fact that the deer was going to be up in there. And within that little corner of that, of the top of the hill, um, I was spot on in that regard, uh, my execution on my setup and, um, being prepared for the deer. Uh, that's where it definitely, where I failed, you know, ultimately, you know, I think the biggest thing is, is that the moment I started hearing the deer come and knew that it was close, I should have grabbed my bow. I should have turned and been ready because at that point, you know, as soon as I saw that it was a buck, I could have been drawn on him um, as he crested the hill and, you know, could have potentially gotten a, a pretty easy shot. Um, you know, even if it was a frontal shot, you know, at that distance, you know, I had taken a shot like that on a doe uh, that was, of course, injured, but that was all the way up to 30 yards. So 10 yards with a frontal shot, uh, I felt like it, it, if I had been prepared or been ready for that, that's something I could have easily uh, accomplished. So the other thing is that, you know, looking back at it again, you know, again, looking at the mistakes I made, you know, I should have known by the sound of, you know, of how the deer walked, essentially. You know, if you spent any time in the in the woods, you know, hunting, hunting whitetails especially, like you can kind of tell the difference between what sounds like a doe walking and a buck. You know, those bucks just kind of have a different, a different cadence to their walk. They almost kind of like they're a little bit more sluggish. They kind of slam their feet down a little bit more. They kind of drag a little bit. It just, it just sounds different. You know, it's, I don't know how else really to explain much better. 
Um, but it's kind of one of those things that you can kind of tell the difference. You know, a doe kind of seems like they kind of tiptoe a little bit, unless, of course, they get spooked or run or something like that. But, but ultimately, you know, a doe does sound different typically going through the woods than a buck does. So I should have recognized the, the sound of the walk and been much more prepared. So it's one of those things like, yeah, I could have been, you know, patient and, you know, waited on, uh, you know, visualizing the deer or seeing the deer before I made a decision, but knowing just how close that was going to be, should have hurried up and been prepared um, for that deer to be in my face, essentially. So that deer spooked out and uh, sat for, you know, a couple more hours, didn't see anything else that came through. Uh, so ultimately decided I was going to do basically a little bit more scouting, worked my way around. Uh, basically around the whole edge of that hill at the top of that hill to try to get a little bit better lay of the land see how some of the rest of the landscape laid out and then made my way down checked the camera that was at the base of the hill and I do believe that that buck that um, I had spooked was on the camera you know a day or two before that uh, down at the base of the hill so did look like it was him and he was still in the area the bigger buck that I had had on camera as well as the, the one I believe I saw up on top. Uh, he hasn't shown up again on camera, or at least when I last checked. Uh, so I'm not sure if he's still around or if he's what he's doing really. So uh, at some point I'm going to go back and check that camera again. Uh, now that it's been basically a, a week's time since I've been down there. That is still an area that I'm very interested in for hunting for, you know, the next several seasons, uh, unless I find something a little bit better. And then I went back, uh, did one last shot at some state land that's by my house. Again, going after that wider uh, eight point that I had a couple encounters with um, before, or I guess during the pre-rut phase, you know, ultimately ended up uh, seeing um, a spike and then a smaller buck. And that was it for the morning. So, you know, kind of, uh, kind of a bit of let down there, but I wanted to get one last shot at that location. Uh, I do think that in that spot, uh, the number of times I'd hunted and the number of times that, that, especially that deer had, you know, either full on busted me or been nervous about what was in the area. You know, I do think I might've over hunted that location a bit, uh, basically less left a little bit too much ground scent, left a little bit too much of you know human presence in that area that you know again that's where i think that those deer feel comfortable because there's not a lot of human presence and the fact that i was back there as much as i was started to change that a bit and then we get to sunday the 5th and that's when i really wanted to start my focus on the farm and put basically all my eggs in one basket and hunt that basically hunt that until i either got my deer or until rifle season when basically the gloves get to come off, reach out and uh, get these deer from a much further distance. So on the very first morning, uh, essentially sitting on, or I guess the first two sits I was planning on doing, more or less kind of a observation sit, but still be in areas where I know that deer travel. Um, and even one stand ride killed a buck uh, a few years back. So set up on this uh, basically inside corner of the, the main top field. And basically the, the two things I was really looking at is uh, there was um, a cut corn field that had been cut a few weeks ago. 
that still has some you know, scraps of corn in there that a lot of the does are feeding on. So catch some of the movement coming back from that, as well as there's a, a, a bit of like a valley that cuts through the that field that basically attaches the one property uh, to the other. So it's a way to, for the deer to build cross without having to go all the way down around into the creek bottom to make it over to the other properties. They can cut through the low point of the of the field and then make it into the hardwoods and on onto the next property if they're if that's where they're trying to go is basically cut across. So that morning was pretty slow as well. They get a I don't know, it was a, a younger deer. I don't know if it was just a big fawn or a year and a half old doe, but it was kind of milling up around the corn, would eat out into the field that had been plowed probably during the early part of October. So there's a lot of that fresh greenery, fresh grasses coming up. And then from there, it was pretty slow. There was one other deer that showed up on basically on the property line that eventually the deer that was up by the corn moved down towards and basically they moved off. Didn't see anything for another couple hours. Uh, basically, it was about 10 o'clock and this lone doe comes you know, out of the uh, wood line on the property line cuts into the field and then basically kind of hastily went across the the field into the hardwoods uh she did you know kind of do that like stop and look back a couple times so i thought maybe you know maybe there was a buck behind her that had pushed her out of her bed or had pushed her out of the you know that part patch of timber and what's pushed her across the field sure enough about 40 minutes later one of my target bucks uh is basically on her trail not really you know running after her but definitely following the same path that she came down so you know at this point i grab my you know doe bleat again hit the doe bleat he picks his head up but then kind of this kind of kept milling around he definitely had his you know he had his head down sniffing the ground definitely looking for you know just using his nose to attract these those that are, you know, have gone across the field and whatnot. He stepped, kept, kept kind of milling around a little bit. He kept kind of making turns like he was going to head my direction. Then he would turn like he was heading across the field, turn back to me. So it was kind of, it was kind of nerve wracking going through that where it was kind of like, oh, he's coming my way. No, he's not. Oh, he is going to come my way. No, he's not. Ultimately, he kind of did like a big, like, you know, shape or semicircle where he kind of cut through. He actually didn't even really follow all the way um, behind that doe. He he followed her for a little bit, but then he broke off and headed. Uh, basically, she went due west, and he ended up turning south. I'm sorry, he ended up turning north and headed north into the creek bottom. Um, from there, you know, while he was making his travels too, I did grunt at him a couple of times. He again, same thing. He picked his head up, but he really didn't seem interested or didn't, you know, was not phased at all by um by my calling so that was very encouraging seeing him um you know show up uh cruising on the very first hunt so i sat the whole rest of the day there um basically not really seeing much of else so then we head into the second day so second day again kind of the same thing the same plan was to do a bit of an observation hunt and kind of more or less, instead of watching the top field this time, I was going to watch the bottom field, kind of watch the food plot. So I snuck through down the one property line to a stand that overlooks my food plot, but is also in a 
um, is in back into the creek bottom a little bit so I can shoot more so in the creek bottom than I can into to the food plot. Now on this day too, there was some rain coming in. So it was kind of being one of those things where as long as the rain wasn't too heavy, there's going to be still plenty of deer movement. So, you know, as I'm sitting in the tree stand, I noticing that there's, uh, I'm watching the radar, there's a lot more severe storm coming than what was originally anticipated. So I kind of quickly climbed down out of the tree stand, uh, went over to the hunting blind to kind of wait out the storm a little bit. Not long after being in the blind, there was, uh, essentially another good buck. I'll say he's not necessarily one of the ones I would, you know, at that point, especially be considered one of my shooters. Uh, but he is, I think probably a three-year-old, uh, he's kind of got the same typical look of, uh, a lot of the bucks that are down in that area. They kind of have a pretty uniform, uh, eight point. He's actually a little nine pointer. He's got a little, little extra point on his left side. Uh, he came through basically from the North, from the adjacent property heading in my direction. The problem was we had a pretty stiff wind out of the South. So I'm pretty sure that he either had caught wind of me or, um, picked up on scent of a doe that had gone through, um, probably about 20 minutes beforehand. So like, cause he basically took the same path that she did. So I don't know if it, which one it was, if he ultimately spooked or if he just caught her scent and was chasing after where she had gone, waiting out the rain. And then when, once the rain stopped, probably about mid morning, headed back to the tree stand, sat the rest of the day from there, not too much. Uh, action until about the last hour of late several does came out with their fawns did end up watching a pretty good interaction with a year and a half five five pointer uh, a couple of fawns were back in the creek bottom kind of milling around feeding and whatnot and this guy came through you know came in grunting and came up hit the scrape and then basically turned his attention to that doe fawn. So he kind of ran her off the button buck, uh, twin that's with her. Uh, he basically started following that buck around. Ultimately he circled around, headed back out to the food plot. And at that point essentially chased off all the remaining does and fawns. So at that point decided to get down for the night, seeing as how he just cleared the field, you know, basically with only about 10 minutes late of light left anyway. So, so both those observation sets, you know, look promising, you know, seeing, you know, a, basically a mature buck on both, both days, uh, was a good, good start. At least I thought anyways, and you know, I thought that things were only going to get better from, from there to come. So now we're on to November 7th and you know, this is when I'm really anticipating that, that buck to show up on the property again you know he's shown up two years in a row on the seventh i'm expecting him you know there again end up sitting into uh basically on the other side of the property this time sitting in some hardwoods that is above main creek bottom of cover that i cut out and killed a bunch of, of the honeysuckle earlier this year and it's just down the hill from the corn so basically you got the food cover and that's still part of that uh travel corridor of that low point of the of the top field that leads into these hardwoods so basically a, a travel corridor a cruising route you got food source and cover and it's you know proven itself to be a consistent area where deer like to move you know ultimately uh, on that day i didn't really see much 
um, until, you know, there was some, I think I had like a spike come through, nothing really exciting. Um, it wasn't until the evening hunt that I did see a little bit better movement, had a doe come through heading up to the corn and then had a, uh, a basically a, a little forky follow her. He put on a pretty good show of grunting, grunting his head off and following her up the hill, essentially about five minutes behind her. You know, I could see him back in the cover before he got on her track where he's kind of snooping around. And then you could tell the moment that he hit her track, he started following it basically, you know, on a string. So, I, you know, was one of those things where I was a little disappointed that I didn't see the buck that I was targeting. Uh, but again, it was one of those things I, I was sitting in one spot. I only had so much of an area to watch. So he might have been a different, you know, section of the property and I just missed. Move on to the next day. I'm sitting in the same stand. You know, basically the, the conditions are still pretty good for that area. We are getting a little bit more of a, a light rain that day, which puts us at what? November 8th at this point. <clears throat> and at this point, you know, I can see, you know, we're looking at about 9 a.m., Again, not too much movement up until this point. I'm not sure if it was, was the rain that kind of, you know, suppressed some of the movement or not. Um, but as I'm sitting there off in the distance on the adjacent property, I can see uh, a buck up on the hilltop. So at this point, I, you know, I'm not sure the likelihood of how far he's going to come over to me, if he's going to come over or not there was a doe with him so i knew that he was locked down with that doe and it was one of those things where i had to basically change my mindset of i'm not really hunting him anymore i'm hunting what that doe is going to do or have to anticipate what that doe is going to do and based on where she's at you know on that on that property essentially there's a you know a patch of pines that are just up the hill from where she was feeding so I figured that she was probably going to head up into those pines instead of coming down uh, and crossing the property line. So I pushed closer to the property line and, you know, in anticipation that she did come across the line that he would follow. Uh, you know, ultimately, you know, I think as I made my approach that the buck spotted me because he was up higher on the hill and I, I, I did a couple of grunts at him to basically just kind of pretend like I, I don't know, pretend that I was another deer, you know, coming closer and whatnot. Uh, ultimately, he did kind of spook out, so I'm not sure if it was that he saw my movement or heard me or what the deal was, but he did end up taking off. Now, the doe, she kind of stayed put where she was at, so I figured that he would be back. If she doesn't, as long as she doesn't take off, then he's probably going to make it a reappearance. Sure enough, about five minutes later, he came back. Kind of the same thing at this point. You know, reposition myself where I thought the wind might be a little bit better, where if he tried circling down, that he would basically circle down into me. Again, did a couple of grunts, and he actually started making his way to me. He kind of hangs up again. Now, at this point, I am I can kind of see him if I really kind of peek myself up. Um, and I'm kind of down lower in, into some cover. So... You know, just trying to feel this deer out a little bit, I, I end up doing a snort wheeze at him, and he still continued to start to come. He gets to the edge of the cover and hangs up a little bit again. So, you know, thinking, well, he's still he came in this far, 
Let's see if we can push him a little bit further. Gave a couple of grunts. And I took my hand and kind of like pawed at the, the ground and the leaves and grass and whatnot. Basically making it sound like I'm just another buck. Uh, you know, doing an impromptu scrape real quick. Uh, the moment I did that, this buck turns and takes off back up the hill and into the pines. Uh, you know, ultimately, apparently that was a little too aggressive for him. He was, I guess, a, a die easy lover where he, you know, again, I don't, I don't know if it was the fact that he either saw me or he, the fact that he couldn't see another deer or another buck, uh, that was making that noise that made him ultimately nervous, but he ended up taking off the doe herself. She stuck around for a good, another 20, 30 minutes, just feeding around, milling around, um, she eventually did kind of see me a little bit she kind of bobbed or you know, walked back and forth trying to figure out what I was, but ultimately she, I guess, I don't know, she thought maybe I was another deer and just wasn't coming over or what the deal was, but she eventually just kind of milled her up way back up to the pines. And then that was it for that hunt. At this point, you know, I'm, you know, I'm already down at the stand, I had an interaction with that buck that ultimately I didn't feel like he was going to be making his way toward me anytime soon. And at this point, it started raining pretty good, so I figured, you know, go ahead and take a break, get, you know, head home, let the clothes dry and whatnot. Made it home, letting the clothes dry out, resting, and next thing I know, I end up with a, a 24-hour, uh, you know, stomach bug and not able to go out hunting for another day and a half. So, you know, that basically put me out of commission for, you know, the evening hunt for the 8th. I wasn't able to hunt the ninth at all, and I wasn't able to go back until the tenth. <clears throat> at this point, I'm so we're at November tenth now. I figure, like, all right, well, I had a couple days to rest up, start to feel better, and you know, maybe just you know, the lack of my presence there would give those deer you know, let things simmer down maybe a little bit. So from there, end up going back to the same stand again, which this was a really good morning. It ended up being uh, you know, more or less calm in the morning, but a nice, but a nice heavy frost on the ground. And, you know, even when I was packing up the vehicle, getting ready, you know, it just felt like it was the right day to be out. End up seeing two bucks crossing the road, out chasing does. So again, another good sign that, you know, there's deer definitely out cruising. They're out chasing. Uh, they are definitely moving around. So get set up. And I guess I'm going to talk about real quick about my approach into the to the stand so again the way the layout there's a big uh, cut cornfield it's about 10 acres still more open field off to the right of that it's about i think it's a good 40 acres of this open uh you know recently plowed field where there's some grasses in it but it's only like ankle high so it's basically a wide open field and the hardwoods are to the north of that cornfield so I basically have to either walk down one property line next to the cornfield to get to that stand or either cut through the field and then take, you know, make an L, L motion into the hardwoods to get to the stand or have to loop all the way around along the edge of the, the other property line along the creek bound to the north and then end up cutting in. So what I decided to do was, again, it's very difficult to make it through this wide open field um without really being noticed but i figured there's a low enough point you know it's downhill just enough from the corn that as long as i'm not making too much noise and i don't use my big right 
you know, white spotlight or headlamp that maybe I can sneak down there. Or even if, you know, a deer does hear me or see a little bit of movement, they just think maybe it's just another deer moving around down below. As long as I don't get, you know, right on top of these deer, that I won't spook them too much. And that seems to be a pretty uh, successful tactic. Now, I had a deer that must have been bedded in the, in the field, just resting, you know, hanging out um, after probably feeding. Because uh, at some point, about when I was about halfway across the field, I did hear this deer stand up and, you know, kind of jump up and then take off, you know, towards the corn. So I did end up spooking one deer, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, I it wasn't one of those cases where they spook and just blow and blow and blow and blow and, you know, I'll, I'll announce the, to the world that something's not right. So I was able to, you know, basically loop down once I was down you know, basically parallel with the stand I wanted to, or perpendicular to the stand I wanted to be in. I hung a left, headed in, you know, basically got set up in the stand essentially. While I'm doing that, you know, again, another good sign that you're able to sneak in and make not too much noise. You know, I didn't, once I was in the tree stand, I could hear, um, as a deer, you know, through the, through the cover, a deer approaching. Now I could see I could kind of make out the silhouette of the body of the deer, but I couldn't tell much of else other than, again, it sounded like a buck that came in and was investigating because ultimately I could see that it kind of had his nose down, was kind of sniffing around. Ultimately, it moved on and went back into the cover. So that was another good sign of being able to sneak in and the fact that these deer were, again, kind of up and moving around a little bit. As we get closer into daylight, I could see out in the field... A single deer heading up towards the corn again just by its body language it appeared to be a buck you know I, I, at this point I could put the binoculars on it as the sun was you know that light from the sun coming up was starting to shine onto the field a little bit so I could make out more of the body of the deer I didn't see a significant rack on it so if it was a buck it was a small one ultimately watch it go all the way up to the edge of the cornfield I could see it on the edge of the hardwoods basically snooping you know doing this little sniffing around and exploring up there on top of the corn so at this point I figured well you know what that deer's gonna have to come out, out of that cornfield at some point so he's either going to cut across the field or come back down to these hardwoods sure enough probably about five ten minutes later I hear behind me what sounds like a deer walking peek over my shoulder here comes basically a little, a little spike corn coming down the hill. I'm assuming that was the buck that was, or the deer that was seen about five minutes before heading up to the corn there. As this deer comes down, he's basically kind of kitty, kitty corning, um, basically kind of right where I was hoping he'd come down, came down to about 20 yards. He uh, stopped at my ground scent, stopped, and at this point he kind of spooks a little bit, turns around, and is looking up the hill. And then what I hear, what sounds like another deer coming down the hill. So sure enough, peek around the tree again, and here comes not one of the, the big bucks I'm after, but certainly one that I'm willing to shoot. Uh, he's been he's probably be number three or number four on the, the old shooter buck list, and he's coming down the hill towards me. So at this point, I grab my bow and I'm getting ready. <clears throat> As he's coming down the hill, that spike goes up to him, starts messing with him, 
Spike's jumping around him and whatnot. I'm just like, all right, well, don't don't ruin this for me here. Just let him come down the rest of the hill. Let him follow the same path that you did. Uh, and I'll get a nice, easy shot on him. He comes down and gets about 38 yards and stand there broadside after I'd ranged him. And, you know, I'm, at this point, I'm about to draw on him. But then he starts to walk and he's still kind of kitty quartering. He starts kitty quartering down towards me. So at this point, I said, all right, hold off. He's going to get closer from, to me yet. Uh, I'm not going to complain about a closer shot. As he gets down closer, he gets to about 35 yards. Again, this is kind of more open timber in the kind of direction where he's coming from. I range again to double check, make sure. Yep, 35 yards. Set my pin. As I'm about to prepare myself to draw, after you know setting the pin, I hear that spike horn blow, and they both kind of scatter, and he jumps and heads out of range and that spike heads up the hill so at this point again just kind of i'm just a little rattled the fact that you know i have this deer right here at you know 35 yards just about to draw on him and it's been blown again so at this point again i'm thinking maybe he doesn't quite understand what the what that spike was blowing at so I grabbed the dobly, hit the dobly, he looks back. Ultimately, the spike uh, ends up seeing a doe that had, was making a way across the, the main field. He starts heading off in that direction, and then the bigger buck ends up following him, following that doe again. So, you know, again, another missed opportunity for me where, again, I don't know what else really... I could do other than the fact that I just need to make sure that either well a couple of things I guess I'll say one like I know that I just kind of got hung up on that that bigger buck and kind of not necessarily forgot about the spike but kind of disregarded him and so I'm assuming what happened was that that spike caught that movement of me ranging that other deer and setting my pin that he he saw the movement and had me pegged and eventually he had enough of it and he spooked and that's what spooked the other deer. So I, the hard lesson is, you know, don't forget about the other deer that are in the area. Even though, you know, that was a young buck, he still was wise enough to, to, you know, catch me. So, so again, not forgetting about the other deer that are in the area keep a kind of a side eye on them, make sure that they're, you know, don't have you pegged um, when you go to make movements or whatnot. The other one is, so I've been trying my, trying to tell myself this season, especially with some of these older bucks I've been trying to go after is that, you know, not to rush, you know, don't, don't hurry yourself. Don't, don't be acting frantic or anything like that. Don't be making any, you know, quick movements or excessive movements or anything like that, that you have more time than what you think. So, you know, ultimately when I had that buck at 38 yards, I probably should have just gone ahead and drawn on him and taken a shot with him being distracted by the other buck and standing broadside. You know, that was more than an ample opportunity where I could have gotten a drawn back on him and gotten a shot off. You know, ultimately, you know, trying to be patient, I think might have burned me a little bit in that regard of, you know, 
it's like, yeah, be patient, but then take the shots that you, that are given to you, essentially. I don't know. You know, it's one of those things that's probably going to be something I'll think about probably until, well, probably, in, you know, until next season even of something that's to keep in mind of, of just another, you know, experience to put in your memory bank of things, you know, to do things better. The rest of the morning was pretty uneventful. So I ended up getting down to uh, basically to help my dad with some vehicle troubles he was having. So got off the stand and uh, got him his vehicle taken care of and then ended up heading back out for an evening set. Again, not much movement there. Uh, nothing really exciting to, you know, nothing really exciting to report on that one. And then sat one last time on November 11th. And again, same thing, ended up doing kind of just a morning sit, kind of making a last hurrah. You know, I did want to end up spending a little bit of time with my wife uh, before I go back to work and then before opening day for rifle season and then before I end up going out on my South Dakota trip. So figure I'd just do a morning sit from there. Did have some deer movement. I saw that spike again, which again, was not too happy to see him again. And then did see, um, had a couple of does that came running through. Basically they ran all the way across the big field into the hardwoods, down into the cover. So I thought maybe there was a deer um, that had pushed them out of there. So I was, you know, anticipating that. Ultimately, that deer didn't, no deer showed up that was following them, but a five point that came out that I'd seen before that was messing with uh, some deer from a couple hunts back, he came through out of the cover. Ultimately, he ended up getting on that trail from that doe and that fawn and started following their trail. Unfortunately for him, he followed it in the wrong direction, so he followed him up, uh, up through the hardwoods, across the field. Uh, and then probably about 30, 40 minutes later, here he comes back from the other direction. Clearly he had lost that scent or realized that he was going in the wrong direction. He milled around out in the field a little bit, checked the cornfield, and then ultimately looped out through the field and cut back into the other side of the property there. And then that was it. I mean, you know, that was kind of the the extent of the, you know, my time at the farm for bow season, trying to hunt the rut in preparation of that. You know, again, my, my goal was to capitalize on that window that seemed like the bucks, or at least the mature bucks, uh, or at least especially the one, uh, it seemed like I got the most Intel, at least camera Intel of him being on the, on the property. Again, ultimately I Denver really got a, you know, a good opportunity at him. But, you know, again, I've had a lot of good experiences. I learned a lot more about the property in that window, you know, of, you know, really seeing just how the, the rut, especially if you stick in one spot, can really change. Like usually what I end up doing is I bounce around quite a bit. You know, I bounce between either state land or the, the private piece or whatnot, or even I jump around from different private pieces as well. Um, so it's been a really interesting experience of sitting you know, every day on the same property and seeing how the movement changes from day to day and how, you know, the different weather factors play into it um, for the individual deer. I mean, seeing the same deer day after day, um, at least for the does and the fawns especially, uh, that's, you know, a pretty interesting experience to be able to see how that dynamic changes throughout the course of the week. So, 
Uh, I guess going forward, I mean, we're looking at rifle season again, so which I am, uh, I'm excited about, and the fact that it is going to be nice to be able to have something that can go out and reach these deer now. So if any of the mature bucks or shooter bucks that come out, you know, they are in much more danger of the fact that if they show their faces, then there's a good chance that they're going to get shot at. So it's not like I love bow hunting, but again, at this point in the season, I'm ready for the odds to be my favorite just a little bit more. So again, we're doing the typical going out to the farm for opening day. I'm excited the fact that my daughter is going out with us again this year. I told her the fact that we could get her another tag and she was quite excited about the opportunity to be able to go out again and potentially harvest uh, another buck for the year. So going to be doing that. And then from there, it's going to be out to South Dakota for my buddy for his hunt. Uh, it's going to be pretty fun being out there and just kind of hanging out. Um, you know, a little bit of me is wishing I had a tag out there too. But, you know, again, at this point, I'm just going to take the, the chance to relax with no pressure on me to harvest a deer and then be hopefully refreshed and ready to go when I come back because we do a big we do a big uh, essentially Black Friday deer drive uh, so we'll I'll be ready to go for that and then from there will be you know hopefully with some snow um, at this point and you know changing of the weather and the bulk of rifle season starting to wind down uh, be getting back out there and uh going after these deer again for the later part of the season so but i think that's going to be it for for this episode again you know a lot of experiences gained from this season i kind of jokingly told my wife that this is the year of the uh you know close but no cigar or uh the close call season because i've had plenty of opportunities at deer it just for one reason or another either either the deer just didn't you know cooperate or i had made some form of mistake that led to me not getting a shot opportunity i have to kind of i try to look at it glass half full like the fact that again understand that this is deer hunting especially when you're hunting with a bow you know you're gonna fail more than you're gonna succeed but being so close so many times you would think at some point you'd have to get it right uh but again, looking at it, that this year I have had more encounters with um, what I would consider shooter bucks or bucks I'd be happy to shoot um, than I have in years past. You know, I've had you know more encounters with the potential for to be able to harvest the year more than I have in years past, uh, at least when cards to bow hunting. So I'm looking at it as you know I'm getting in the right spot, I'm hunting the right days. I just need to be able to work on the execution just a little bit more to be able to, you know, seal the deal. You know, looking at this later season, you know, again, things are changing about how, you know, after rifle season's all up and done, you know, deer are going to certainly be, uh, you know, starting to hurt up at this point. At least the does are. And then those bucks and those deer are going to be especially, um, you know, on edge from, you know, being hunted. You know, all the month of November, getting shot at with firearm season. So, you know, the tactics are going to have to change a little bit. The approach is going to have to change a little bit. Um, so, again, going to be kind of changing up my um, my game plan for that part of the season, which I hope to be able to share that uh, in an upcoming episode. 
as to kind of my approach for the late season and some things that I can hopefully help you um, or some things maybe for you to think about as well. So, but again, we are still, um, you know, I got to kind of remember that, you know, for most people, we are still technically in the rut. Uh, so there's still plenty of deer out there chasing a lot of those bigger bucks, of, you know, probably bred a, a doe or two by now and are going to be out looking for those last few does um, as, as we progress through the rest of the rut. So, um, you know, for most of you that are still out there hunting hard, you know, you still have plenty of opportunity of catching a big old buck that's out cruising, uh, looking for a doe. Uh, for me, it's going to be kind of slowing down, go out for opening day, and then just kind of take a break and come back. So, but yeah, so again, that's it for this one. And uh, again, we'll, uh, we'll do an update for the rifle season, hopefully. And then the next one after that will be from the South Dakota hunt. So, as always, get out there, be safe, and have fun.